is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond. We are your hosts, Mike Payton, Keith Black, Trudeau. Uh, no Lions this week until Sunday, so I was able to get, you know, be a, have a much more calm and relaxed week. And uh, we're obviously able to come at you guys with, with our regularly scheduled time. Today, we're going to be talking the 2014 NBA draft. Uh, but before we do that, um, we have to get into what's basically been a weekly staple of this show for the last five weeks. We're going to talk winning time again. So I hope you watch the episode because this one was another another banger of an episode. I, I, I mean, they did manage to get like three years worth of Lakers stuff into one episode. Um, but it was it was really good. We got some Sven Nader stuff. We got Debbie Allen showing up. We got all kinds of stuff going on in this one. Uh, Keith, what were your... What were your thoughts? This was not as good as last week's episode. No, right? no, no, not at all. The, the Jerry Buzz drama is, is, it's necessary. It's just not as appealing to me. Uh, you, you're correct. They essentially go through, at the beginning of this episode, we, we start off at the game six of the 1982 finals. It's concluding and the Lakers have won their second championship in three years. And by the end of this, we're prepping for the 1984 finals, uh, game one of which we we already saw in the very first episode of the season so yeah we, we essentially knock out two years in one episode which is pretty insane I, I i guess the the highlight here is this episode is essentially the swan song for norm nixon uh the, the character of norm nixon played very well by his son who after the 19 i know i i still can't get over it it's awesome it looks just like him too who after the 1983 finals, the, the Lakers correctly surmised that they need to make a change. They need to shake the roster up a little bit. They need a little bit more outside shooting. And Norm Nixon is just the odd guy out. And Norm has been with us since the very first episode of the series. He's been an important character, uh, more of a side character still compared to Magic or, or uh, Kareem. But he's still been a, you know, he's been a, part of the fabric of the series up until this point. And they already showed his, uh, his famed uh, revenge game as an, as a San Diego Clipper. I think they're the LA Clippers at this point. I don't remember. I think there's still uh, San Diego. Are they? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, he comes back and he beats the, the Lakers uh, predictably uh, has a great game, uh, but they've already shown that. And it was like a five second clip. So I do not see any reason for Norm Nixon to, be involved in the rest of the series, which is kind of sad because I thought uh, the the actor that portrayed him uh, fittingly did a very, very good job. Yeah, no, he he he's been great. Um, Swen Nader, though, that is a name I have not heard in a very long time. <laughs> but they were all in on trying to get Swen Nader, they, and then Byron Scott was yeah. just like, oh, like and a little after Byron, <laughs> Yeah, that Byron Scott guy, the only one in the room excited for Byron Scott was Jerry West. Yeah, which. That Jerry West's very first uh I don't want to call him a fine because he was a top five pick in his in his draft class, but 
that that was Jerry West's first major uh, acquisition that that really worked out for the Lakers. Yeah. Why didn't he draft James Worthy? Yeah, but see, I don't. Yeah, technically, that was his very first acquisition. Period was that first pick in the nineteen eighty two draft, which uh, the the Lakers already had coming from Cleveland. It's just hard for me to say that like a dog could have picked James Worthy number one. I, that that really wasn't a big uh, <laughs> no. I don't think anyone gave credit to Jerry West for picking uh, James Worthy, the most outstanding player of the the NCAA Final Four, and clearly the best player in college basketball outside of uh, Ralph Sampson, who was ineligible in 1982 or eighty three. Uh, yeah, eighty two. Along with all that, we got. We got some pretty cool uh, little cameos from uh, from other players. There was my man Moses Malone at the beginning yep. of the episode, uh, Rolando Blackman. Uh, but my favorite one, favorite one was was Marcus Johnson because the guy they got to play Marcus Johnson looked exactly like Marcus Johnson, and it was only for a second. And you really have to focus on it, and you also have to know who Marcus Johnson is. But yeah. that guy looked exactly like him. Also, Andrew Tony. We got some Andrew Tony love, which I totally did not expect. Oh. Uh, but he was really, really good in the '83 Finals, and that was like the shining moment of his career because, sadly, uh, injuries derailed him, just like they're about to derail uh, Norm Nixon's career uh, from this point on. But I- I'm glad we got some Andrew Tony calls from uh, Chick Earn. Well, now comes the hard part. Now we wait to see if they get renewed for a season three, which. Well, we got one more episode. No, that was the finale. No, it's not. That's not the finale? I thought it was... No, they even showed a preview for the last episode. It's seven episodes. Oh, we got one more episode. They even showed a preview at the end of the episode. I didn't see that. I I turned it off when the credits start rolling. No, Uh, this coming Sunday will be the finale. Okay, fine. This Sunday will be the finale, but still, we still haven't heard word. You know, usually shows will get renewed pretty early on if if things are going well um and i know there's been a lot of concern about whether or not this thing gets renewed and if it doesn't then then you and keith and i are going to spearhead a uh i don't know a revolt or or some sort of thing we're going to spearhead a cult we're going to get this thing we're going to call the people at netflix we're going to call hulu we're going to call paramount but we'll put it we'll call tubi i don't I'll, i don't care who has it crackle i they call up uh, Quibi. Remember Quibi? I will watch thirty minute. I will watch one minute episodes for the next year if that's what it takes. I do not want this show to go away. I want more. I want it to at least go to the nineties. I, I, I mean, I, 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 I want Magic's comeback in ninety four. I, I want it all, man. I want the well, Team USA. The book, the book itself ends with you know Magic having to retire because of the HIV diagnosis. I, I think expecting more than that is is a bit much like it would have to be game of thrones popular to, to okay. get you know six or seven seasons but i think the show deserves at least four yeah. i think you could i think you could cut you you look you'd have to cut some great stuff out but i think you could somewhat cover the showtime era in four seasons we got to get the bad boys yeah that would be get- the, they would be the, the final villain of the final season however long it goes well, wouldn't Michael Jordan be the final villain? Yeah, but I think if they only did four seasons, they would kind of 
end off with the them beating the Pistons in the eighty finals. I don't think that they would end the end the entire series with them losing twice in the finals in eighty nine. And then Pat Riley gets fired after nineteen ninety, well, or quits one way one way or the other. So in ninety one, Riley's not even the coach when they get back to the finals in ninety one. So I don't, I don't really know how that would play out. I, I almost think that like a, the Blood in the Garden spinoff I was bis- I was pitching last week uh, is probably the best way to go. Just wait till Riley gets gets fired from the Lakers and then just start an entirely new show uh, with Adrian Brody as the main. St- are. Well, if it if if there are any incredibly wealthy people who listen to our show, slide some money, Keith, in our our and I's way, and and we will we will produce all these shows for you. We will make sure that they get shown somewhere. We there will be a Bad Boys one. There will be a the Blood on the Garden floor or whatever the hell it was called. There'll be that um, Blood in the Garden and Blood yeah, in we'll, the Garden. Yeah, Blood that's the, the title. Garden, of the- yeah. Please, please read it. It's very good. I will. I will. Uh, if is it on? Is it on tape? I'm more of a books on tape type of guy. I, I'm sure it's an audiobook. It, it, it wasn't a small release. It, it it was a pretty widely released book. I'm assuming there's an audiobook version. You know, the weirdest thing is that uh, I I I'm a journalist. That's my career, but I really don't like reading. <laughs> I don't know. That's weird, but. Anyhow, let's get to the 2014 NBA draft. Keith, what are your news and notes? So a couple of things. Uh, The the 2014 draft is the year where we all got collectively tired of the Cleveland Cavaliers getting gifts from the lottery gods. Like we, We get it. LeBron abandoned you guys four years ago and since then you keep getting number one pick after number one pick this is the third time in four years that they had been awarded the number one pick and it's especially from the angle of a Pistons fan who at this point in his life had never even seen the Pistons come close to getting a number one pick uh I think as as an NBA fan by fan base we were collectively sick of the Cleveland Cavaliers getting extra help um this is not a this is it's a professional basketball league, not a charity. Uh, also, and this is a very interesting statistic, uh, to, I think, uh, what, 13, 14 different centers in NBA history have won the MVP award. This is the only draft class that features two of them. The only draft class that has featured two MVP winning centers in NBA history. Uh, as much as we, we just... As a, as a fan base, especially as an aging fan base, we collectively deride the the death of the center in the NBA. Uh, meanwhile, for one magnificent draft class, we've had two two MVP caliber, probably Hall of Fame centers uh, appear in one class, and that's really it for the entire decade. They just happen to be in the same year. That's. Uh... That just seems weird. It seems like there should be more than that, but um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, well, okay, so here's the interesting thing with the first pick of this draft, and you all might remember this. Yes, Cleveland won the draft lottery again, and then uh, in free agency, they signed this guy, maybe you've heard of him, his name's LeBron James. And what happened was LeBron came in, the Cavs drafted Andrew Wiggins and LeBron was like, no, I would rather have Kevin Love. So 
the Cavs traded Kevin or uh, uh, Wiggins to the to the Timberwolves and for Kevin Love. Uh, I think there were some other players involved, probably, but that's the gist of what the trade. And was. they threw on Anthony Bennett as like a uh, <laughs> the, the other number one pick from uh, 2013 yeah. is just a uh, here. Please take him. Yeah, just yeah. Here, take him. <laughs> we already know that he's not. We already know that he's a bust. Oh man, yeah. Well, the Timber was totally bit on that, uh, but so so Keith and I were talking off air. If if whoever I take here is that player going to get traded to Minnesota? I think Keith makes a good point when he says, "I I'm not I'm not changing the future of this team necessarily. I'm just changing this one thing that they did." So realistically, there is a chance that this player is going to wind up still getting traded. So I could be kind of basically picking for the Timberwolves right now. Yeah, the, the look, if we're talking in the context of the year 2014, uh, Andrew Wiggins was one of the most hyped prospects of the decade. People were talking about him when he was in high school as being a future number one draft pick. And the Cleveland Cavaliers thought nothing, absolutely nothing of trading him away for Kevin Love because it made LeBron James happy. Uh, there are levels to this. I don't think anyone, there's not one person in this draft class that would have conceivably made uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers change their minds uh, in one month of not watching them play basketball, uh, that they would have said, no, uh, no, LeBron, we're not going to get you Kevin Love. Uh, you can decide whatever you want. Uh, there's no universe where that happens. Right. So um, with that in mind, uh I'm still going to just make the pick that everyone expects me to make because you just can't not do it. Right. Uh, so there won't be a Taco Bell commercial playing this time. <laughs> You'll actually see this on live TV with the number one pick, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Nikola Jokic. I mean, it's he's the best player hands down in this entire draft. Maybe not hands down. I don't know. Joel Embiid's pretty good. Uh, but Nikola Jokic is you know, league MVP multiple times, just won the NBA championship with the Nuggets. Does he now lead the Minnesota Timberwolves to a championship in, in a few years? I don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, when you have a player as good as him, I think anything's possible. Yeah, the Denver Nuggets have not been nearly as hopeless a franchise as the Minnesota Timberwolves have, but it's not like they've been a really successful franchise either. Uh, prior to last year, they had never made the NBA Finals. and They, they had been an NBA franchise since 1976. So there's just no way that Nikola Jokic does not go number one. <laughs> You're absolutely right. This was a no, uh, a no brainer, even with the obvious no brainer of the number two pick. Uh, what does he do in Minnesota? I, I don't know what, but I, I do know that it's going to be uh, more than Carl Anthony Towns accomplishes. <laughs> no disrespect. It's, they're, they're going to have more of a foundation, uh, which uh, the aforementioned Andrew Wiggins, who will be picked early in this draft, uh, he simply wasn't a number one type superstar that he was billed as, uh, as an amateur. Uh, it was just a, a case of a good player being overhyped as a great one, which actually happens a couple other times in this draft class. Okay, so the Milwaukee Bucks, who already have Giannis Tentacumpo. Uh, they tanked extremely hard for this number two pick. This is one of the, the most blatant tanks of all time. 
Uh, maybe if they realized what they had in Giannis, maybe they, maybe they would have tried a little harder. But uh, they thought they were getting their franchise start here at number two pick. Uh, spoiler alert, they did not. And I am going to fix that uh, with the number two pick. Uh, in the 2014 draft out of Kansas, the Milwaukee Bucks select Joel Embiid. And my God, the pairing of Joel Embiid and Neontis Atentikumpo. Wow. Um, you know, like we, we clown Embiid uh, quite a bit, sometimes justfully, sometimes not. You know, he, he doesn't want to play every game. He starts every season out of shape. He flops a lot. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he's the best two-way center in the game by far. Uh, Jokic is the best player overall, but he's not a great defender. Yo uh, Joel Embiid is a great defender, as well as a guy that can give you 30 points a game. Uh, you put him with uh, Giannis, and maybe there's a spacing issue or two, but it's not like Joel Embiid can't shoot. So I, I don't think there's any question that instead of having one championship, at this point, I think the Bucks have multiple championships. I, I think that is as impactful a draft pick as we have ever made uh, in our, all of our redrafts. Uh, that that is just a massive, massive uh, future shift uh, from where we actually are to what I just did. All right. So now that we've had two MVP winning centers off the board, uh, it's time to go back to the modern basketball. I'll draft a bunch of wings. Okay. I want to flesh the, the, this one out a little bit, though, first, Keith. Oh by, oh, by all means. I want to flesh this out a little bit. So, okay, I, I'm picking for the Sixers. I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. I'm taking Zach Levine. Now, but, but before okay. we totally get on how he impacts the Sixers, this is why I was hoping that I was going to get the second pick in this draft because I was going to take Zach Levine with the Bucks pick. Now, I understand what, what you're saying. Uh, with Joel Embiid, but you're you're right. There's a spacing issue because Embiid or, or Antetokounmpo is basically playing power forward and center all the time. I mean, he plays every position on the on the court. But what if he had a, a two guard that could that he could dish out to that could score? I mean, he doesn't have Chris Middleton in the 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 way that we know Chris Middleton is now. I just look at the scoring ability of Levine along with. What Giannis can all already do. I just think that's just a more dangerous pairing than him and him and Embiid. I, I just I just worry that you're throwing everything up front and there's nothing there's nothing in the backcourt. From an archetype standpoint, you're right. Uh, Levine's archetype certainly fits better with alongside Giannis than Embiid's does. However, I would point out that LeBron James and Dwayne Wade had spacing issues too. Uh, at, at a certain point. Uh, talent is just raw talent is going to trump a uh, fit and i i would argue that this is one of those times where you have you know, one of the best centers of his generation a long time on alongside unquestionably the best power forward of his generation yeah you're a little bit top heavy with your team being built around a four and a five and your four can basically also play the five but I think that's one of those first world problems where you just you you trust your GM to put on his big boy pants and load up shooters at the one, two, and three spots. You don't even need to find good players at the one. You just need to find guys that can shoot. That's really all you need. Shoot and maybe defend a little bit because Embiid and, and Giannis are going to dominate so much of the offense. 
you're not going to need a whole lot else on that end from them. And they're, by the way, they're both all uh, fantastic defenders. So I, I think, yeah, the, the Bucks might not score. They might not even be as good offensively as they have been in reality in the last five years because of the spacing. But I'm going to tell you this in the playoffs, uh, they would be a much more uh, fearsome team because of the defense that, that a beat in uh, Giannis would, would present. And I think they would be a lot better at getting the tough buckets as well. Uh, Levine can score from anywhere, but I've never thought of him as a plus defender. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally understand. I, I, I just, I just think, um, I don't know. I just think that they could just fill, they could just fill it up in bunches with with these two guys together, and then you kind of worry about the the defense later a little bit. You know, let's outscore everybody. I, I would, I would say this is Levine any better than Chris Middleton? I think so. Okay, because that, that that's kind of what you're asking to re, to replace. Like they already have Chris Middleton, so Levine would be kind of brought in, and they they kind of play a similar role, even though Levine is plays way higher above the rim. Yeah, uh, they play the similar role as that wing scorer that can that can score at all three levels. Uh, even though Middleton's a better jump shooter, not as great around the rim, but that's basically they're both wing scorers, and you can't really play them both together. Plus uh Giannis and plus get maybe a Drew Holiday I don't I think that's just too many too many balls to go around okay yeah um I I see I mean I think I think we're both making great points I'm not going to cave one way or the other uh no no I I think I mean I think you make a good point that defense in the in the playoffs is uh I mean it's invaluable you need it uh as for Levine on the Sixers. Uh, this team is still really early into its process thing. There's there's nobody here. Uh, I mean, there's players here, but there's basically nobody here. Uh, Michael Carter Williams won Rookie of the Year last year. Uh, Nerlens Noel. Well. You got a, a an older Jason Richardson. Um, you've got Glenn Robinson three who I always thought was going to be really good in the NBA. I guess it just didn't really work out. Well, actually, he gets drafted in this draft, so never mind. You don't have that guy. Scrap, scrape him because he's not on the team. But you, you throw uh, you, you throw Levine in there, and you've got a score immediately. I think that's a guy you can build around. The Bulls have been trying to do it and and have somewhat done it for, for years now. So, um, yeah, Levine is a, is a good guy to start your build around. God. The next two years of the Sixers are just so brutal. Eighteen and sixty-four the season coming up that we're getting into, and then ten and seventy-two the year after that. Just, just utter garbage basketball, and they're not even trying to win a lot of these games. Which says to me, even though Zach Levine is, you know, he he's clearly a very entertaining player. He's he's the type of player that fans pay money to see. Like how many times are they going to shut him down for no reason because they feel like we have to lose this game? Uh, that is just such a toxic garbage situation. You know the interesting uh, thing is I, that I really, I really do hate the process. Yeah, I was just I was just going to say that it's really it wasn't good. It didn't. It really hasn't worked. And I mean, outside of Embiid, let, let's just I, for a second here. Let's we're we're kind of getting into the weeds here, but that's fine. Uh, I just want to talk about some of the players that did get drafted 
other than Embiid. So they did take Jeremy Grant, but he did become Jeremy Grant until yeah. later. Uh, Michael Carter Williams, Jalil Okafor was was their uh, top pick the next year. He's what a role player at best, I guess. Uh, ben Simmons, who I mean, just an unbelievable fallout with that. Markel yeah. Fultz, they traded him like within a couple of years. It just hasn't worked. Uh, Michael Bridges, who they wound up moving to Phoenix. Uh, Landry, Landry, they never really had that was a draft age trade. Okay, Landry, Shemet, Shemit, Shemet, yeah, Landry, Shem is is okay, but look, look, bottom line is the the Maxi's good. Bottom line is the Sixers piled up assets to the point where at one point they had Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, uh, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler all on the same roster, and that was a roster that should have at least made it to the finals or look, the, the the finals was probably going through the East that year. You had Toronto went for it all with Kawhi. You had the, the bucks were at their peak with Giannis, but for, for the Sixers, that Sixers team to not even get to the, the Eastern conference finals, it was such a blow that they didn't want to spend to keep that team together. And it was just even looking back on it, just such a colossal mistake. They just didn't have the stomach for it. Nope. Like Jimmy Butler, of all the of all the guys that they could have chose to not pay, it was Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah, that's such a wow. The yeah. the one guy with more playoff success than the other three combined. <laughs> it it burned them okay. completely. So with the number four pick, the Orlando Magic, who have Victor Oladipo, uh, <laughs> I think no, no, they haven't traded for. No, no, they have. It's pretty much just Victor Oladipo and Nikola Jokic. Harris is um, still there. Or Vucevic, excuse me, not Jokic. Vucevic. And no, no, he's in this draft. He's not there. Um. So who who do I – I have a pretty good center. I have pretty good guard, which is probably going to be trade fodder soon. You know, I'm just going to make the easy pick. Uh, With the number four pick, uh, the Orlando Magic select – Andrew Wiggins. And this kind of, I, I feel like I'm kind of kicking myself because Andrew Wiggins went to a Minnesota team that needed him to be a star and he just couldn't deal with it. Uh, he went from being a very hyped rookie to people calling him overrated and inefficient inside of two years. Uh, the people turned on him fast, even though he was still clearly a productive player. He just needed to move down the totem pole a little bit. He needed to be a a third or fourth option, not a first or second option. And what is he on the Orlando magic? He's probably a second option behind Vucevic, uh, unless Oladipo comes around before they decide to trade him. Uh, But at the same time, I I don't see anyone else uh, in this draft class that is going to work for the magic long-term. And I think Wiggins has the best potential uh, long-term, he is an excellent defender, and he's a guy that can get you 20 points a- as a third option, which is extremely valuable. He's going to cost you a lot of money, but, but you know be, he's clearly proven himself as being a guy that can contribute to a championship team and not just be a, a passenger. He can play a big part in that. Uh, so that, though, that those are my reasons why I would still pick him fourth uh, in this draft class. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I I, I think that uh, this is probably Orlando's 
while while they have struggled just as much as the Timberwolves have, I think I just feel like this is a better landing for him than Minnesota was. I all due respect to Timberwolves fans. Uh, I, Ivan Carter, I know you're not listening, but I apologize for this. Big Timberwolves fan. Uh, the Timberwolves are just a dumpster fire franchise that they ruin everything that they touch. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest. Uh, they, they need a, a leadership change. Big time. All right, so the number five pick belongs to the Utah Jazz, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're, they're in kind of a transitional period, but they're, they, they've still got some players. So, you you made uh you made my pick pretty hard because I thought you were going to go a different route with the Magic than Wiggins and I was going to take Wiggins with the Jazz pick. So yeah. um the next logical best player in this draft at least on my board is is Julius Randle, but I'm not going to take Julius Randle here because this team already has uh Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors and uh Gordon Hayward. They're like all set when it comes to the forward and center position, what they don't have is a point guard. And that's why they initially took Dante Exum in, uh, in this draft. And they took Trey Burke last year. So I'm going to take them, the guy who I think is the best point guard in this entire draft. And I can't believe that this is happening right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the Utah jazz select, Spencer Dinwiddie with the fifth pick in the 2014 NBA draft. Now, uh, he's the best point guard on the, in the draft. I, I like it. Took him a while to get there, but once he once he has, I mean, right, he is. He, I, I wait. You are. We are player. lockstep here. He is the best point guard in this draft class. Yes. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, is. His career as uh, thirteen and, and and five, thirteen points, five assists a game. Uh, but you know, in the last few years, he's been he's been putting those numbers up to sixteen points a game, seventeen, uh, twenty points a game in 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 twenty twenty. So like he he has stepped up in a major way. He's not the second round pick that the Pistons uh, got. He's just it, it's. But that's another guy that the Pistons let walk out the door. But. Yeah, no, I, I mean this. This is the best point guard. This is the best fit for him, and I, I think this Jazz team, if they can unlock Dinwiddie faster than anybody else did, could be like a sneaky, really good team. Yeah. Um. Look, Spencer Dinwiddie is the best point guard in this draft class, but it may be it may be the single. No, I think there. I can think of one point guard. Uh, draft that was worse than this but that's it uh like even after spencer Dinwiddie, spencer dinwiddie is the only point guard on my board uh <laughs> he is essentially the 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 best uh uh ice hockey player in um arizona it, it's just <laughs> it's just not good um yeah he fits i i just think there's so much talent above him uh that you you kind of pick the talent and make it well, like Derek favors good player, but I wouldn't think twice about uh, taking another starting power forward. All right. Um, but look, it, Spencer Dinwiddie, one of, he probably, no, I take it back. He easily is the the best draft pick that uh, Stan Van Gundy's ever made. 
And it, it's weird because he wasn't even a first round pick. Uh, unfortunately, things just didn't work out for him in Detroit. And I think some of that's on Spencer because he, he had opportunities. And it, every time I saw him get a chance to play, because Reggie Jackson would get hurt, uh, he didn't look like he was ready to play. Uh, even on the bench, it didn't like he, there's a video of him having like a candy bar on the bench, like just stuff that you do if you're not looking to be taken seriously. And credit to him, uh, after the Pistons traded him to the Bulls, and then the Bulls cut him, and then he was out of the league for a few months. Uh, he he got it together. He went to the Brooklyn Nets, and he really made a fine career for himself. Uh, and, and credit to him for that. Uh, but I, I do think there's a little revisionist history that the Pistons uh, were wrong or they never gave him a chance, and I, I think that's incorrect. I think Spencer just kind of needed a, a wake-up call uh, to become the player that he is today. So sometimes some things can't be avoided. I don't see any world where the Pistons cutting or uh, trading Spencer Dinwiddie for nothing could have been avoided. It's just, I think he wanted out and I think Stamon Gunny was ready to give up on him. All right. Uh, the number six pick, uh, the Boston Celtics. Now I have the opportunity to do something really funny here, or I could do the smart thing, the, uh, the, the prudent thing. And I'm not really sure what I want to do yet. The Celtics are in the middle of like a mini rebuild. They'll be back on top in, in a couple of years. But in the meantime, they're just trying to restock on talent. And you know what? Going forward, hmm. yeah, I'm still going to do it. Um, with the number six pick, the Boston Celtics select Marcus Smart. And do look, do the Celtics ever win a championship with Marcus Smart? Uh, unfortunately, no. But I think his impact on the Celtics over the last nine years has been very obvious. And I think you could argue that they don't even come close to getting to the finals uh, without him. Uh, now, if you replaced him with some of the other top names on my list, like you could theorize maybe, but I don't see any of them being the difference against Golden State and in uh, 2022. So I, there's just not a good enough reason for me to change course and to try something different. Uh, uh, Marcus Smart, kind of like a combo guard that's neither a point guard nor a shooting guard. Uh, he, he's just Marcus Smart. He's a wonderful energy player, defensive player of the year at one point in his career. Uh, kind of a... Uh, John Starks-ish, uh, he'll shoot you in or shoot you out of a game type offensive player. Uh, but when you take his his effort and his motor and his leadership into account, uh, I, I think those things are priceless. And I think the Memphis Grizzlies are going to benefit greatly from having him on their roster this coming season. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised by that one, if I'm being honest. Uh I mean, a great defender, and I just – the guy just – he just doesn't score points. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this is an offensive league. Uh, defense is important, but it's not nearly as important as it used to be, as you and I have both complained about on this show before. So, I I mean, I don't know. I had Smart obviously going into this draft, but it was, it was much later. But Yes, I, I still think defense matters in the playoffs. Which is yes, you're right. Celtics are going to live like in the regular season. Yes, I think there are some games that are just an abomination where 
teams are either too scared to foul or they're just not into it. Defend. They just let the other team take open shots. But I think, especially when you saw this last year in the playoffs, I think the referees kind of swallow their whistles even today. And I think the physical play starts to come uh, back into factor. Look, I get it. Like his statistics do not reflect that like a top six pick, but I I think his defense is still invaluable. The, The unique things that he can do defensively guard three, four positions for being a guard, the fact that he can hit the glass, the the fact that he can do so many things from a, from a defensive perspective uh, to affect a playoff series. And if like, if this was the Minnesota Timberwolves picking six, I probably would have gone another direction. It's just the fact that it's the Celtics and I know they're going to need him uh, in the playoffs for years and years to come. I, I don't know if I trust these other guys. Like he's not even the top ranked player on my board, honestly. Uh, but he's up there. He, he's the second-ranked uh, player left on my board. But I don't know if I trust any of the other guys around him that are available right now in the playoffs. I know I can trust Marcus Smart in the playoffs because I've seen it. That's fair. Um, well, Julius Randle is uh, – he's, <laughs> he's really falling in this draft. And, uh, and guess what? He's going to keep falling because I'm not going to take him here. God, I've already crossed him off. I was sure you were going to take him there. No, I'm not. I'm going to go a whole other route. I'm going to take a guy who I think is vastly underrated in the NBA. Vastly. Uh, this is a guy who just two years ago was the sixth man of the year. And I am going to put him behind, in my opinion, the second greatest player of all time, Kobe Bryant. Uh and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna draft Jordan Clarkson and I'm gonna have him kind of sit under the the Kobe Bryant tree for a little bit for a couple of years until Kobe retires. And then I'm gonna slot Jordan right into that starting two guard spot. And he's I he's the he's the man in LA. Like I I think he is the one of the Lakers top players going forward. I he's he's got billboards everywhere. That's what I'm saying. Is uh, I I just I mean I just really like this guy a lot, and I think that we just never talk about him. It's like nobody ever talks about this this guy in Utah who who scored twenty points a game last year and come and and comes off the bench and is just phenomenal and just fills him up in buckets. Maybe it's because he plays for Utah. I don't know, or maybe it's because he's kind of bounced around a little bit. He does actually wind up with the Lakers. No, that's that's actually they, it's a drafting trade. They take him in this draft in the second round. Yeah, it's just as a trade. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm nailing it. I, it's it's much later when he actually gets traded to the Lakers, but I, I'm gonna nail it to the wall right now. Jordan Clarkson to the Lakers, and uh, it actually did work out when he was in LA. It did. It's just the problem was that LA sucked, yeah. so no one really noticed it, and he got kind of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it was the day after the draft that they the Wizards picked him in the the 46th pick in the draft, and then the next day they traded him to the Lakers for cash. Um so yeah, we're basically just like I did with Marcus Smart, we're basically sending Jordan Clarkson on his on his actual NBA journey. Yeah. Uh, which like like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh he's had a very good career. Uh, excellent score off the bench, double digits every single year of his career. Uh, had a fantastic rookie season for a guy that was like the 40, 42nd pick in the draft. Averaged almost 12 points a game. 
uh, rarely gets hurt. Uh, aside from last season, he he rarely misses games. I, just to the fact that he's just not much of a playmaker for others, and he plays zero defense, I think are the two things that hold him back. Because otherwise, there's no reason why he shouldn't be a starter for his whole career. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I, his career path is going to take him from L.A. and it's going to take him to to Cleveland uh, and then to Utah. And the Laker teams were probably the least watched Laker teams of all time. And then he goes to Cleveland and Utah. So, yeah, his career, while very productive, has kind of gone unnoticed, which I think is is kind of a shame. All right. And I was so sure you were going to take Julius Randle. <laughs> all right. Um yeah, I'm going to take him here. Okay. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, uh, with the eighth pick in the draft, select Julius Randle out of Kentucky. I, I kind of feel – I almost feel bad for Julius Randle in this fictional redraft uh, because he really doesn't deserve to be dropped this far uh, talent-wise. It's just I don't know if anyone ever trusts him uh, on a winning team. And he he's had some very, very good years with the Knicks, uh, sandwiched in between a very bad year. Uh, he's led them to some pretty good records. He he even got them out of the first round for the first time in forever this past season. Uh, it's just I don't I don't know what it is with Julius Randle. Uh, excellent power forward uh, can really put points up on the board. I, I guess the defense is what people like to like to hit him on. I, how how does he fit with the Kings? Well, right now he's still got Boogie Cousins, I believe, and I I think I mean putting Randall on a team with Boogie Cousins. Oh uh, man, seems like a recipe oh, for disaster. <laughs> the, the Kentucky Bash Brothers. It's just yeah, but it, it'll be hilarious. Yeah, uh, even if it out. Uh, I I think that is a uh, I think I think that is an NBA league pass team for years for years to come. <laughs> I don't think it leads to wins because Randall kind of had to learn and develop to be where he is today. He was not nearly that good to start out, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really loving the pairing of uh, Boogie Cousins and uh, Julius Randle. Now uh, up next, uh, and I can finally say this with yes. the Charlotte Hornets. There you go. And you know, by chance, do you remember how the Charlotte Hornets got this pick? Um, I, no, I don't. It's definitely okay, a trade. Let, let, let me walk you through this one because you're going to love it. Uh, the the Detroit Pistons, or I should say uh, Joe Dumars, in, in one of his final acts as team manager, uh, in order to get out of the horrible contract that he signed Ben Gordon to, trades him to the Charlotte uh, Bobcats for the expiring contract of Corey Maggette. And to get the Charlotte to take the deal, he throws in a protected 2014 first-round draft pick. Notice I said protected. It was protected top eight, which the Pistons tanked just enough to finish eighth worst. They had the eighth uh, draft slot going into the lottery. And wouldn't you know it, the team right below them, the Cleveland Cavaliers, jumped them all the way to the number one pick, meaning they dropped to ninth and lost that pick to the, to the Hornets by one draft slot. There is still a mark on the dashboard of my 2012 Ford Focus uh, from me punching it <laughs> when I heard that on the radio. Uh, that was one of the more frustrating moments for me as a Detroit Pistons fan. 
Yeah, it's uh, and oh my god, that Joe GM episode that we're gonna do is gonna be just full of roller like coaster, basically, basically. Yeah, what roller coaster ride. <laughs> well, um, I am going to uh make it. I think this is a really easy pick. I'm gonna take Jeremy Grant here because this Charlotte Hornets team is. Oh, it's really bad, man. Like it's it's it, you know there's my uh, Michael Gilchrist, Jason Maxio, Lance Stevenson, but he isn't really Lance Stevenson yet. Whatever that is, uh, Kemba Walker really is the only you know notable player here. So Jeremy Grant and Kemba Walker, I think, could be a fun duo for a little while, while the Hornets continue to kind of build around those guys. But uh, I, I mean, I no nobody that I select here is going to make this Hornets team better than better than they are right now they won how many games this year 33 how does steve clifford keep doing this 48 <laughs> next year wow yeah, clifford, clifford is a hell of a coach if you give him guys that shoot and play defense and don't do much of anything else that, that explains why and they brought him back he had, and he had kemba walker well the problem is before he had kemba walker to to fill the gaps and to create offense on his own uh lamello ball you could argue that he, he might have a better career than Kemba Walker, which is debatable, but he was nowhere near the, the type of shot creator that Kemba Walker was. Um, yeah, I have I have no issue with, with taking Jeremy. I mean, it's a, it's a fine pick. Uh, not only to hold on to him, which the Sixers never did. They didn't give him time to develop. Uh, but, but yeah, there's, there's definitely, he's one of the top 10 players on my, on my draft board. So that fits right in with, uh, picking him ninth. All right, now for, uh, for the tenth pick, the Sixers and uh, Magic swap picks uh, from ten to twelve. So the Orlando Magic are actually picking tenth on behalf of the or the Sixers are picking tenth on behalf of the Orlando Magic. So the Magic are back on the board, and let's see. I took Andrew Wiggins uh, the first time, so we have Wiggins now, uh, Vucevic. I keep saying Vucevic. Yeah, it is Vucevic. Is Vucevic even in this draft? No, he's not in this draft. He's on the Magic is what you're saying. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And Oladipo. This team could really use some shooting. And that's really been the downfall of the Magic for the last decade is they haven't had enough shooting. I'm going to fix that right now. Uh, I'm going to reach a little bit, but I don't think it's, it's a major reach. Uh, out of Serbia, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And if you can keep him healthy, and that's always been the story of his career, he's been injury prone. Uh, but he is just a fantastic uh, uh, wing. Just shoots the ever-loving hell out of the ball. Uh, not only that, he can get to the rim. He can finish. Uh, not the best defender, but he can. Uh, he's so good on offense in so many different ways. It, again, he's kind of brittle. But long-term, I think his skill set just – fits so so very well uh with the rest of the nucleus on, on this orlando magic team i can't pass him up even though he is not the highest rated player left on my board all right well i have the uh chicago bulls who if i'm not mistaken uh have derrick rose has not gotten hurt yet no he's been he's he's torn his acl twice now it happened okay it, it happened once in 2012, and it happened against, I think, in 2013. 
Okay. Well, then he's I... still on the Bulls. He I, is I think Bulls, yeah. for this season, but this is this is his comeback season, his first one. Okay. Perfect. Um. Uh, well, then never mind what I just said. Uh. So uh, this team right now, they have uh, as you mentioned, Derek Rose. They've got Jimmy Butler. They've got uh, uh, Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson. Who is Taj Gibson still in the league? And if he is, he's probably still on the Bulls. Uh, Nicole, oh, he's, he's playing for Tom Thibodeau is what he's doing. Mostly. Yeah, he's playing for Tom Thibodeau somewhere. Pau Gasol is on this team. People might remember that Bulls run that he had. It was very short. Uh, and then there's uh, Nikola Mirotic. So, yes, they're pretty strong uh, at power forward with Gazal, Gibson, and Miritich, but two of those guys are not going to be here for very long, very much longer. Right. So I am going to go ahead and take Aaron Gordon to uh, to fill in at one of those power forward spots that are going to be open very soon. Uh, Gordon is like – I think that – Early on in his career, I think people thought that maybe he was going to be more than just a really good role player, and he hasn't really been that, but he's perfect in Denver because he just fits what they do there so well, and he doesn't have to be the the lead guy like I think Orlando was maybe trying to to jam him into being. So in Chicago, he doesn't have to be that here either because he's got Jimmy Butler, he's got you know Derek Rose and all the other guys we were talking about. So I think this is a, a really good fit for him in terms of what he can do and uh and yeah i'm interested to, to see uh how that goes yeah i i have no issue with this pick uh whatsoever uh Aaron gordon and i i touched on this earlier there's a lot of players in this draft that were kind of overdrafted uh, but were still very good players they just needed to find their their niche or their niche and they thrived and uh as we saw saw with Aaron Gordon in the in, in the with the Denver Nuggets and specifically uh in the last two rounds of the playoffs where he just dominated in, in matchup situations and he wasn't asked he was never asked to you know, take the ball in his hands and create something like a number one option. He was simply there to take advantage of mismatches and opportunities and he certainly could do that. Uh amazingly athletic uh small forward he just didn't have the range uh, to to be like a high scoring wing he just had to be a role player like a guy that could sit in the corner knock down threes and post up uh when available and his post ups were really really effective against small ball teams uh, as you saw in the finals uh he he forced Miami to change their entire rotation cuz they couldn't they they were used to playing three and four guards and he would just brutalize them in the post. All right. So now the Sixers are on the board. They are back on the board. And we've ta- we have Zach Levine right now for the process. And let's see. Oh, yeah, this is easy. I don't even know why I thought about it. Uh, the Sixers select Clint Capella. Yep. I, I wrote I wrote it in because I knew that's what you were going to do. Makes too yeah, much he's sense. by he's by far the highest rated player on my board. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Clint Capella, he's kind of gotten overlooked, I would say, despite how productive he was, because he is very much a traditional type center, even though he can defend a little bit more on the perimeter uh, than he looks. But he's 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 what he is. He, he's a rim protecting, uh, rebounding, 
uh, lob threat. Not mu as much of a post threat, but look, he, he's been a, a, a winner uh, to some degree, pretty much everywhere he's gone. There's a reason for that is because he, he's really good in a team concept. Uh, you, he anchors your defense. Uh, he's reliable rolling to the basket. He sets excellent screens. Uh, he's made a lot of money uh, over the last decade doing that. And it's the Sixers, especially since we've taken uh, Joel Embiid from them, they desperately need a a, a real center. And we all know that uh, New Orleans Noel is not going to be that guy for them. So I, I think this is actually a more exciting start to the process. You have Zach Levine and Clint Capella in the same draft class. Uh, that's not, that is a, a nice little kickstart. Uh, all they have to do is hope that they don't screw it up <laughs> next year, like in the, well, the next few years, like they did in actuality. All right. So your last pick, Mike, uh, the number 13 pick uh, belongs to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, we already know we're sending them uh, Nikola Jokic. Yes. I don't know how you can possibly top that, but maybe you can find somebody in this draft class to pair with Nikola Jokic uh, on the Timberwolves and make it even harder for them to fail. I think I've, I think I've got just a guy. Uh um, I am going to draft TJ Warren to uh to go to Minnesota, and uh, it's kind of sucks that he's like his career's kind you know he has that foot injury and like his career is yeah. kind of I don't know mm -hmm. seems like it's trending downwards at this point. But but this is a guy that was averaging 18, 19 points a game before that uh, with the Phoenix Suns and the Indiana Pacers, and I think that you know this the Timberwolves team is basically wide open at this point. <laughs> Uh, I, I, they, we sent them Jokic. Uh, we know now that they're not going to have Andrew Wiggins, so they are going to need a small forward because he can't go out there with Chase Budinger and Robbie Hummel. So I, I just think uh, TJ Warren is the is the best fit. And honestly, I think he's the, really the the best player left in in my entire in my board. I should say. Yeah, he he's the second highest rated player left on my board, but it's hardly a reach. Uh, like you said, TJ Warren has kind of gotten poked fun at because his best career games were in the bubble uh, for the most part. And everything that happened in Disney world kind of gets discounted somewhat unfairly today. I blocked it out from my mind completely. I don't, I don't ever think about it. I it's hard to even look at that Lakers championship and think that it's real. Maybe that's yeah, unfair. It, it, well, it, look, it, it was different, definitely played under different rules than any other championship in NBA history, but everybody played by the same rules. Yeah. So it, it, I, I really, even though it's easy to try to take away a championship from the Lakers because they already have so many, I, I try to stay away from that because it's, it doesn't seem fair. All right. Um, so with with the number uh, 14 pick, the, the last pick uh, before our ceremonial pick, which we haven't had one in a while, we're going to have one today. Uh, the the Phoenix Suns uh, select Gary Harris. Uh, yet another uh, excellent uh, two-way wing whose career has kind of been cut down by injuries. Uh, but you, you cannot tell me that Gary Harris doesn't have talent. He does. Uh, pretty good offensive creator, excellent shooter, very, very good from the corners. Uh, even with injuries slowing him down, he's still a very good defender. You just hope that he can find his way onto a better roster or that maybe the Orlando Magic will improve into a better roster because he's kind of been cursed uh, being on bad teams for most of his career. 
I, I remember him and uh, he and Nick Stauskas had a, a fantastic one year rivalry uh, playing each other, uh, Michigan, Michigan State. But yeah, I, I really have nothing to add other than that. The Phoenix Suns are kind of, they're okay right now, but we know they're going to bottom out. They kind of have to bottom out. Uh, they need to in order to get Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and get clear the deck enough to go and get Chris Ball. Like things have to get worse for the Suns before they get better. I don't think Gary Harris is going to change that much, but I think he's going to make them a better roster in five years if he's still on, if he's still there when they when they turn the ship around. All right, that brings us to our ceremonial pick, which you're right. We haven't had one in a while because the Pistons have been <laughs> really bad. Uh, but here we go. 15th pick. Pistons have traded up. Uh, I've got a guy, Keith. Do, do you have one in mind? I didn't take two seconds to think about this. I, know I didn't I didn't it's, either. It's a, a no-brainer for me. It's a no-brainer for me either. We have not been on the same page this entire draft, though, so I have a feeling we're thinking about different players. Well, let's do that. Let's do this in th- three, two, one, and we'll both say the guy's name at the same time. Okay. Ready? All right. All right. Three, two, one. Joe Harris. Joe Harris. <laughs> oh, oh, we we brought it back around. Yep. I mean, we it was, brought it back around. I yeah. It makes too much sense. He and they and he, you know what? He's actually on the team now, which is funny. Yeah, but like he's he's one of the he's probably, I mean he's one of the best three point shooters in this draft, and he's no oh, he he is one of the that, best in the that, league. That is my one note next to Joe Harris's name on my board is the best three point shooter in this draft. Uh, Two time uh, NBA league champion three point percentage shooter on extremely good volume. You didn't really know it. Uh, at the time because it, it took him a while to get a, his opportunity but once he got it uh, once he got to Brooklyn you and they gave him playing time the guy just does not miss uh, he is by far the highest percentage career three-point percentage uh, shooter in this draft class and it's a very good draft class yeah um, I'm not trying to get people excited about Joe Harris this upcoming season because I honestly don't know how much physically he has left to give but I still know I know that he can still shoot the ball uh that that is not in question to me. Uh, how he fits with the Pistons in 2014-15, I think it's a dream fit because that's the one thing that they lacked the most uh, was outside shooting, uh, a true three-point sniper with with Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond and KCP not really being there yet. Uh, they still have Brandon Jennings, but it's going to give way to Reggie Jackson. They need. They so badly needed a a three point sniper to space the floor for all of their interior players. And God, Joe, Joe Harris is the the perfect role player in this entire draft class for the Pistons. Well, there you go. That that's going to wrap up the 2014 NBA draft. I do think it's. Uh, I there there are some notable players that didn't get drafted today. Yeah. Uh, there's Nurkic, which. I'm a little surprised that none. I, I mean, I don't know. I get maybe I'm not too surprised. Nurkic is a guy that could have gone if there was a 16th pick in this draft. I uh, agree. Rodney Hood, uh, Jabari Parker, Elf, Alfred Payton, my uh, my cousin, Alfred Payton, Maxi Kleber, Maxi Kleber, Slow Mo himself, Kyle Anderson. Right, Dario Saric. 
is yeah. uh, is another one. And uh, all Doug, of these guys, all of these Doug, guys, that we just named Doug McDermott. All of these guys, well, maybe not Doug McDermott, but all oh. of these guys that we just named would have been drafted two weeks ago. Yeah, it, it not even a question. Wow. Oh wow, Mitch McGarry. I totally forgot it. Man, he was uh he was a big part of that Michigan team. Everybody was sure that guy was gonna be something. Yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate, but that was kind of also his own doing. And yeah. I I just don't know if he was incredibly motivated to have an NBA career. I, I think for whatever reason, a college was kind of it for him, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's not for everybody. But I I still were I still remember him just tearing up Syracuse's zone in the final four it's one of the best performances i've ever seen out of a michigan big man all right well that that is it that's the 2014 nba draft so keith here's the thing is we don't have uh we don't have a topic next week so i'm gonna give you i'm gonna put it all in your hands we're putting it all in keith's hands three i'm three options here i'm gonna hit you with them all right now we could put a poll up on twitter again because that worked well last time yeah We, we could do our mailbag episode or we could leave everybody in in the uh, dark and just come up with something over the course of the week. I say let's go with the mailbag. I, mailbag. I, I'm fired up over the mailbag. Yeah. Okay, there it is. So look on all of our twitters. I'm at a to z underscore Peyton. Keith, what are you at? Charlatan C H A R L O T T E A N twenty eight. Just one word uh, on Twitter. That's that's my Twitter handle. Keith Black Trudeau. Feel free to send the questions to Mike or myself or our official Bad Boys and Beyond uh, Twitter account. Yes. Uh, and we will send as many as you can and we will answer as many as we can. And uh, we will see you guys next week with it. And, it. and by the way, it doesn't have to be historical stuff, too. If you guys want to ask us about, you know, our thoughts on today's Pistons or even if it's just an NBA whatever uh today's nba or you could ask me questions about the new orleans pelicans i don't care i'll answer uh so we will see you guys next week with our first ever mailbag episode